Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of The Stone Journal. I'm your host, Arizona, and the clock currently reads 7 years, 120 days, and about 20 hours. So, well, first off, let's go over what that clock is. That clock is the amount of time we have left to get our carbon footprint down, and down, hopefully, to zero. Now, we'll go over this further in later podcast series, but I believe currently I have some good news to start out this entire series and entire podcast in general. Now, you may have heard of something called graphing. So graphing is something that for a lot of people, you might have heard it come from tennis rackets or on other different things like random objects, put in light bulbs, other ideas like that. Um, Graphene also is heard a lot from the word graphite, um, which is similar to what we use in our pencils, specifically number two pencils or mechanical pencils. Um, So if you've ever been in the United States and had to take a state or national based test like the SAT, ACT, and it wasn't online and it was in person, I guarantee you, you've had to use a number two pencil, which means you've had experience with graphite. Now, a single layer of graphite is called graphene. Graphene is super, super conductive. But there's something that not a whole lot of people cover about graphene. Graphene is made up entirely of carbon. Now, for most people, a basic understanding of climate change is that we have too much greenhouse gas in the atmosphere, and a little bit further, that is a lot of it gets blamed on carbon dioxide, or CO2. Now, this is true. We have a lot of carbon dioxide, but there's lots of other elements out there. For example, carbon monoxide also does something else. And sadly, the term what comes up must come down doesn't really work for our goals here on Earth. And the reason because of that is, is it takes so long for carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide or nitrous to get out of our atmosphere. But the idea is, okay, we eliminate everything back to zero, right? We don't produce any more greenhouse gases. It's a great idea, and that's exactly where we should be going. But the issue is we've already put up a lot of carbon, meaning our Earth will continue to warm, even if we get to zero emissions. So, where does graphene come in? Like I said, graphene is a carbon structure. In fact, it's carbon hexagons. So think about the patches on a soccer ball, for example. If you can imagine that in two dimensions, just going in X and Y, for example, you have graphene. Graphene is extremely conductive, and it also conducts heat very well. So both electricity and heat benefit from this material. Now, I actually started researching this because it became a lot of interest in me, and I am a college student. And so I was like, okay, we know we have graphene. We know we have carbon is made of graphene. Graphene is made of carbon, excuse me. So, is there a way we can somehow separate the oxygen from the carbon and carbon dioxide and then make graphene? Graphene has huge implications, right? I mean, we can make all sorts of things because it's conductive, which almost kills two birds with one stone if you really, really think about it. 
because now we're able to make batteries, motors, different ways of capacitors, all of these different insanely important things that will help us achieve zero emissions. And it can be made from carbon. Okay, sounds like there's a possibility here, right? So I ended up deep diving this a little bit, and I only found one experiment. And this experiment was actually perfect, at least in my mind. Now, it seems almost too good to be true, which is why I say take this with a grain of salt. But there was German professors that discovered that you can take carbon dioxide and heat it with a substrate, and this carbon dioxide gets broken apart, and the carbon gets laid down in sheets of graphene, and then the rest of it is just water. So your entire output of taking carbon dioxide is water, which we're kind of worried about shortages of in terms of fresh water, and you get rid of carbon dioxide. So where's the downside to this? Well, there's quite a few. One, it doesn't really work as well as it sounds. So yes, graphene is made, that's true. Graphene's microscopic, but the issue is, is you can't work with little clumps of graphene. You need large sheets. You need things you can build batteries out of. You need things you can build capacitors out of. And that's not gonna happen if you have dots that are microscopic. So someone, whoever creates this, has to find the ability to make large sheets of this graphene without it breaking up, or what's called de-wetting. So, it sounds like a great idea. The second issue is, you have to heat it. Well, how do we produce heat in the United States or most other countries? Well, you either use electricity to do it, or you burn something, which burning something usually entails greenhouse gases, right? So we're not gaining, realistically, anything from this at all in terms of we. there's a big block in that way. And it's not the fact that it doesn't create enough graphene to be usable, but it's the fact that we need to use energy to make this. So there's multiple ways. A lot of states use green energy that is by hydroelectricity, which produces large amounts of electricity through generation. There you go, you found a way to create heat. But that's not possible everywhere, and if you wanna industrialize this way of making graphene, you're gonna have to figure it out. But the good news is, is if you're able to convince enough politicians that this is a good idea and invest money into this entire idea, I think you'd be a little bit shocked. Because graphene currently is a really big area of research, especially when it comes to energy. But graphene currently, requires making greenhouse gases. It requires oil and everything else to make because they're synthesizing the carbon. So we have an easy in. It's not going to be that difficult. But there is another caveat to it. We are way behind in techno technological advances. What does that mean? Well, name a single car that runs on a graphene battery. Yeah, there isn't any. And the reason because of that is that we are so behind on research around graphene. So there's another huge issue is that it's not immediately applicable. So yes, you might be able to make a lot of graphene, but you're still stuck because what's it gonna be used by?
Good news is, there's actually a few things that are going to be used by this. Well, though they need further development, batteries, batteries specifically for cars. So one thing that a lot of people don't quite get in their information feeds is we're, we're rushing towards the zero emission, which is a good idea and a great thing to rush towards. Except we're kind of rushing in with a blindfold around our eyes. And what I mean by that is, is it's like, let's all drive electric cars, which is a beautiful idea and full of passion and has a great reasoning behind it. But it also carries a large pitfall at the end. And what I mean by that is, making electric cars is not sustainable. Therefore, we still have a long ways to go. So, for example, a lot of batteries use lithium. Lithium is a very precious and limited material on Earth. And matter of fact, it's a very limited material in the universe, which we will not go over today, but that's just something I had to bring up. So why, though? Why is lithium used? Well, it's a great source for all sorts of batteries, and it's been proven to work, and you can charge it and recharge it, and you can plug it in, and it has multiple life cycles and a bunch of more fun physics ideas behind it. But in the end, the most important part is the fact that we're running out. Lithium is pretty much the new gold in terms of it's worth a lot of money, it's hard to get a hold of, and the more we use it, the less we can use it later on. So, that's where I like to slide my graphene card in. Graphene is super, super, super conductive. It has been proven that it can be used in batteries, and as a battery, pretty much. And the great important thing about this is, it's not lithium. Matter of fact, not only is it not lithium, which is a good thing, but because we can actually produce it, it is sustainable. And people might be like, okay, well, is it sustainable? I mean, think about it. We'll eventually run out of carbon to pull out of the atmosphere, right? I think I have a counter to that. If we pulled all of the carbon out of the atmosphere and we somehow needed more graphene, I think there's another thing we need to be evaluating, which is why are we making so many new things that weren't sustainable? In terms of immediate solutions, I think we found one. It just needs a lot more research. Graphene discussion isn't quite done yet, and hear me out as to why, okay? I know this has so far been all about graphene, and we'll soon get into the humanity of this later. But graphene has a huge advantage over most, keep in mind most, not all, carbon capture methods. Which, if you don't know what carbon capture method is, in one sentence, you pull carbon dioxide out of the sky and use it or store it in another way. There you go. Carbon capture. So... How do we use carbon capture in a good way? So far, I have identified graphene. But the reason why it's so much better than this is because of the fact that other carbon capture methods 
store carbon, which is fine. I mean, there's no really downside to storing carbon in the sense of like if you capture it and you put it underground, you're right, no harm, no foul. But it's wasted materials. Because keep in mind, you really have to think of the earth as something that you have to consistently recycle. I mean, if you look at the life cycle of forests and everything inside of it, right, there's organisms that even eat the things that are dead. So that way, those parts that were used by those organisms, those atoms, those molecules and everything else, can be, in theory, recycled. Or as recycled as it can be. We're all losing everything to entropy, but in the end, very much so recycled. If we take all this carbon that we've been pumping out of the ground and then using for motors and cars and synthesizing other things and plastics and you name it, most likely oil is a part of the process of it. You know what I mean? Even like, oh my gosh, look, I bought this super cool <laughs> reusable thing that benefits the environment. It's like, great how did it get to you you know like okay you needed to use gas all these other fun things but i think it's a really interesting decision to simply say let's capture it let's store it bing bang bam we got it and we're good that doesn't make any sense when we can capture it and after capturing it boom we make it into a material we can use and we actually kind of need and it will help us with our sustainability by not mining more lithium by not mining other precious metals that are used in our batteries so it really is killing two birds with one stone now let's get into the in my eyes the super interesting part but just before we do i had to get up and get some tea because it's a lot of talking and i have to say really good recommendation irish breakfast tea with honey in it if someone out there hates that i really do apologize but it is something that's really good but let's get back into it so what does it mean by i guess what does it mean what do i mean by humanity you know well i think there's a really important aspect to science that sometimes gets underlooked and it's the fact that we can innovate at least when talking about United States and other first world countries and all these other things, it's possible. We have amazing scientists and we have amazing institutions and we have a large amount of funds to innovate and create new things or re-innovate and make sustainable things. But the issue is we're not sharing it. So yeah, the United States might be able to go carbon neutral, but then you take a third party or third party, you take a third world country a third party looking in and they don't have it they don't have the resources and they still have to be able to keep their people going right i mean obviously people deserve to live well people deserve to live with electricity people deserve to live with good food sources right people should not be at hurt because first world countries beat them to a spot of quote-unquote sustainability because in the end that's not sustainable and I think that's a really key thing that's going to have to be carried through not only word of people, but also through voting and through policy. Because it's really easy to be like, here's a way to fix it. Solar cells, wind turbines, hydroelectricity, all these other methods, which are, they're not bad reasonings. It's not what I'm saying at all. But the issue with it is, is it sustainable? 
sure, it's sustainable in the sense that we can use it. People that live in the United States and Europe, you can do that, right? But third world countries that don't have access to that technology won't. And because we have competitive markets, it means people will, you know, keep it under their corporations or multiple ideas, which means they won't share it unless they make profit, which it's it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Nothing's going to happen and it's not sustainable. So it's really going to take the morals and the actual want for people to better the world besides the fact that they get a recognition and a paycheck at the end of it. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see within these next seven years, to see within the next 20 years, to see when we get to finally 2050, what's that going to be like? Because what happens if we don't? Nothing good, I'll tell you that much. I mean, there's a miracle story out there that's about the fact that I believe it was India was not was having a hard time willing to sign an agreement saying we'll go green which was completely understandable and they had the absolute right to say no which was the fact that how are we supposed to go green if we're just getting out of the fact that we can now fully give electricity to a majority of our people and the answer was we'll figure it out and that didn't work and so the United States calls around and finds a company that makes solar cells and they go, hey, yo, I'm going to call you up. Can you give India our solar panels um, and your technology for it? Because that way, if you give them the technology and, OK, this is how we made it and this is where we have access to our resources and everything else, um, more than a DIY, but, you know, help them. Maybe they'll sign this deal. And they did. When they offered a helping hand, they signed the deal, which people are like, what? And it's like, oh my gosh, look how easy it is. Be a kind person and maybe we'll get to the thing that helps everybody, right? And it's this common occurrence and it's really common in, in a lot of fields, but especially when it comes to revolutionary research is that we, we have all these ideas, but it's really easy to be like, yeah, let's just implement them. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And it's like, okay, slow down though. It's not just about who gets there the fastest. This isn't a race. I mean, it is. It's a race, but it's not against other people. It's not against other countries. This, this is a race together. This is a race without borders. You know, so the fact that people are like, oh, man, you know, United States going to be number one or Europe's really doing good. And it's like, that's all fine and dandy. But the issue is we need everyone to have it. And that's not happening. I mean, sure, there, there's some coincidences, but if you look at the majority of it, it's not. So when you, when you apply this, and I'm reapplying this to graphing, when you do this, how do you make it, you know, how do you combine it with humanity? How do you make it sustainable, not only in the fact it's a resource, but sustainable as society and sustainable around the globe for humans? I think it's a great question that I think I also might have an answer to. I don't have answers to everything. These are all predictions we'll say and my answer is imagine if we were able to give so to figure out ways to use graphene in beneficial ways for example batteries right if we were able to make super 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 um, efficient batteries out of graphene and we were able to share okay this is how we made them this is step by step this is the procedures for how we make them you can make them in your backyard Okay, great. Half of it's done. 
This is how we industrialized graphene. Great. Then we get back to the same issue. How are they going to produce energy that's green? That's going to have to come from something else. It's not graphene. I think it's a great question. And I think it's something that will it will never totally be asked, or sorry, it'll never totally be answered until we really get to that point of, okay, this is where, this is how we're going to fix that solution. And it's it's kind of a, it's going to be beautiful when it happens. And what I mean by that is, is when, when it gets to the point where people finally are able to kind of delete the borders around, you know, whatever map or globe they're looking at and, and really look each other in the eye and be like, okay, you know, high school musical, we're all in this together. Like this is, this is it, you know, like I'm going to give you exactly what I've worked on my entire life so that tomorrow everyone has a better chance of living with better air, with better access to electricity, better access to other resources, you know, food, all of these things. I think, I think it's really key. I mean, humanity is a huge part of science. And what I mean by that is, is you can't have science and not apply humanity. You can, but whenever that happens, it doesn't work out. So, where are we going with this? Well, this is where I think it's a really constant thing that's said, but in all honesty, it needs to be said again. It comes down to the people. <laughs> and it sounds super cliche, I completely understand that. I am very much so grinning right now, but it does, it comes down to the people. It comes down to voting, but it also comes down to words, right? Because. I mean, okay, I was watching a Bill Nye documentary, which I like to watch a lot of documentaries, so throughout these series, you're, you're going to hear a lot of documentary references, but my favorite one, my favorite fact in this Bill Nye documentary is Bill Nye goes, we did research, right, and that they discovered, this is from, this is from their point of view, when I say we, we discovered that kids lose their curiosity pretty much i'm summing it up a lot for science by the age of 10 that's a big number and by big i mean like significant in the fact that only 10 years old i believe it's around four years old that you actually give cognition like you, you can you can cognitively remember things so force so that's six years you have until that they just kind of won't ever really grasp the same one that they have for the sciences to me that's extremely scary um, but it's also beautiful because that means i think it's that time that they get to push at each other and we get to show them the world of science and art and the beauty of what life looks like and make them curious for the rest of their lives and want to discover more and question and constantly do these things but this is the exact reason why not only voting but even getting people to change their minds about things getting your next door neighbor to not only say i acknowledge climate change because believing in climate change is not a thing you must acknowledge it you cannot acknowledge it or acknowledge it, but it's a thing, so there's no believing. But not only 
Is it the case that it's like, hey, yes, acknowledge climate change, but also be like, hey, have your kids ever seen what's under a microscope? Have they ever made their own little DC circuit? Have they ever tried programming? <laughs> you know, have they ever gotten to play with frogs? I mean, I mean, who knows? Have they ever painted? Have they ever played an instrument? And uh, sadly, a lot of these opportunities aren't available for different classes and social groups because of a lot of systemic issues, especially I'm speaking from the United States. And that, I mean, that's a whole nother issue we'll get into later, but it's important to address that here. But when I, but I, in the end, what I'm trying to say about this is that we need to share what we know. And the only way we can ensure that we share what we know is yes, through our votes, but also through our voices, which can be literally said by an eight-year-old to a 98-year-old. It doesn't matter the age. You don't have to be in your 20s you know, just saying things. It can be a mom and a child going to the school board. It can be a dad and his buddies agreeing. It can be a mom and a dad. It can be just a group of kids. I mean, the power of a group of kids against a school board is actually shocking because not only, I mean, it's like employers going after their bosses in terms of it's like, wow, these kids actually want to talk. And if they ignore them and you get parents behind it, that's going to be interesting. So to end this out, to end out the first episode, I think here's the main draw. Besides graphene, I think we understand graphene enough. The main draw is that you can't continue with the idea of sustainability in the world unless you are able to combine both humanity and science. Because without one of the two, you're not going to be able to go far, and it truthfully in nature, most likely, will not be sustainable. This is bringing us to the end of the podcast, and I'm so excited for more episodes that we have coming, and I will see you guys usually on Mondays. That is the goal, so we, we will try on Mondays. This is going to be fun. We're going to talk about random things, sustainability, um, random sciences. It's going to mostly be based around climate change, but who knows? We might do random things, might have friends on, um, might try and get professors. This is a ride, and, I, and I'm excited for anything, and if not, this is just a narrative for me to look back on in X amount of years. Anyways, with that being said, this is the Sewn Journal, standing for saving everything we need, where the sciences meet humanity. There's the train. Arizona signing off.